Let's pray together. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness, for you are their glory and strength. Heavenly Father, as we're here today, gathered in your name, in, your, in the church, as a community, I pray, God, that you just speak to us, Lord. Heavenly Father, we need you more today than yesterday. We need you more today than last week. I pray, God, that you just open up our hearts to receive the message they have in store for us. I pray against any distraction, God, at this moment. And I pray, God, for focus. And God, I pray for a heart of humility to hear your word, to hear your voice, and to be transformed by your living word. And I pray, God, as you transition now to the message, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts for those who are here to listen, to hear your voice. I pray, God, they will be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord. For, God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Father, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. In God's people, we pray. Amen and amen. All right, God bless you guys. Let's take a moment to greet one another, our neighbors. It's good to see you, Jonathan. If you guys look in the back, do you guys see that person? Oh, KP, yes. KP was too tired to come. No, she actually had caught COVID and her whole family, so she's doing virtual today. And let's pray for her, and let's continue on with the second service here in this new location, right? It's very exciting to be here, very excited to be here. And today is going to be the final part of the Philemon series. I know Tony last week, she was like in the offering prayer. Thank you, God, for the final sermon. But today is actually the final. The part three of Philemon series. And the title, the title is called Christian Love. Christian Love. Not worldly love, but Christian love. So before we go ahead and read the book of Philemon, Philemon has only one chapter. Let me just go ahead and explain the book of Philemon just real quick for those who are not here. The book of Philemon is this. The writer, the person who is writing the letter, his name is Paul, the Apostle Paul. And Paul, he writes a letter to a guy named Philemon, to Philemon. On behalf of another individual, and his name is Onesimus. So now, the relationship with Paul and Philemon, they're very close. They've known each other for a very, very long time. Philemon trusts Paul, and Paul trusts Philemon. Therefore, Paul, he writes this personal letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. So what happened was the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus is this. Onesimus used to be a household slave of Philemon. Back then, there were slaves, master and slaves, the relationship. And if a slave runs away, you could get punished and you could be punished to death. But what happened was Onesimus, Onesimus went ahead and stole something from Philemon and he ran away. And as he stole something, as he ran away from Philemon, on his journey, that's when he met Paul, the apostle Paul. And through Paul, Onesimus becomes saved. He receives the gospel. His life gets transformed. He's no longer a thief, but his life is transformed 180. He is no longer the same individual that Philemon knew in the past. So as Onesimus meets Paul, Paul comes really close to Onesimus. Therefore, he writes a letter to Philemon about Onesimus on behalf of Onesimus to receive him back, to love him, not as a master and a slave, but as a brother in Christ. So with that, let's go ahead and read the book of Philemon to refresh our memory. And as we go on, Tony, can we just close that door so the cold air doesn't come in? Okay, thank you. Okay, so let's go ahead. Again, it has only one chapter. Begins with this, in verse 1, Paul, 
a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So right away, from the intro of the letter, we see how close Paul is to Philemon. He even calls him his brother. It goes on in verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, on the basis of love and say happy valentine's day <laughs> it is as none other than paul an old man and now also a prisoner of christ jesus that i appeal to you for my son onesimus who became my son while i was in chains formerly he was useless to you but now he has become useful both to you and to me and i love from verse 8 to verse 11 because it's very special here, right? He says he met, he met Onesimus. What a coincidence. This is a, this is a time where they didn't have social media. It's not like you become friends and, oh, I know that, I know that person. This is not a coincidence. This was God-ordained. He meets Onesimus, and then it says he became my son. He calls Onesimus his son. Again, Paul, he's an old man. He is a father figure to Philemon. He is a father figure to Onesimus. And what's beautiful is, is that he calls Onesimus his son. It says here in verse 10 that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. If someone can become your friend when you're in prison, if someone can be your friend throughout the process when you're going through a difficult time, that is a true friend. Meaning Paul, he can count on Onesimus because he was with him. He supported him while he was in chains. While Paul was having a hard time, that's when he was there for him. So if there's anyone in your life that was there for you during your hard times, those are the people that you need to hold on to. Right? It's like that quote I shared last week. If you aren't there with me in my struggle, don't expect to be around me in my success. He became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, meaning he's talking about the event where Onesimus, when he stole from you and he cheated you, but now, now he's changed. Now he has become useful both to you and to me. Verse 12, I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place and helping me while I am in chains for the gospel but I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will not seem forced but will be voluntary. Can we turn to our neighbor and say voluntary? voluntary. Say love is, voluntary. love is voluntary. If you force someone to love you, that is not love. That is, I don't know. I don't know what kind of relationship that is. But that's not love. Verse 15, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, and as a dear brother, he is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. 
Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So with this and with the final phase of the book of Philemon, the Philemon series, what is Christian love? I'm not talking about worldly love. In the church, in, when you have a relationship with Christ, and I have a relationship with Christ, what does Christian love look like? You know, there are a lot of churches that fall apart. A lot of people claim to love one another, but churches are divided. Within the church, there's a lot of gossip. People divide and divide their cliques here, cliques there. So what is the Christian love? Christian love, point number one is this, is I thank you. I thank you. It's about thanking those who have helped you along the way. So in verse 4, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. The key here is to be thankful to God by remembering them in your prayers. So point A, we pray to God. B, we pray for them. C, thankful to God. D, thankful for them. And E, remember them. So as you pray, you thank God as you remember them, and you, as you pray for them, you are always thinking of them, and you are praying for them, and you are thankful for them. And that's how you show Christian love, by praying for them, by thinking of them, by remembering them. And there are many ways we show love, right? We can buy a meal. We can buy a cup of coffee to that person. We can write a letter, a love letter. Paul wrote a letter to Philemon as a symbol of his love for his brother, a word of encouragement. So Christian love is, number one, I thank you. So can we turn to our neighbor and say, I thank you. <laughs> thank you for being there for me. Thank you for remembering me. Thank you for praying for me. Christian love, number two, is never forced. It's never forced. It's not forcing others to get something done. It has to be voluntary. It has to come from the heart. You cannot force your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend to force them to get you a flower or chocolate. It has to come from the heart, from the overflow, from the love that they have for you. Verse 8 through 9, Therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's talking about his title, right? As the apostle, as the leader, I can order you and force you to do what you have to do. Bring Onesimus back. But he says, no, I prefer it for it to be voluntary. I want to do it on the basis of love. Verse 14, but I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do will not seem forced, but will be voluntary. Voluntary. Paul, he talks about in Romans 1.1 that he is an apostle. An apostle is a leader. An apostle has the authority to tell people what they ought to do. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And what's beautiful here in Romans 1, he doesn't hold his title so high to the point where these people are lesser than him. He calls himself what? A servant. A servant of Christ Jesus. Before he's an apostle, he is a servant of God. Even for me, my title has nothing if I'm not a servant first. And it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 6, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority. Apostles can assert their authority. But he says, no, I want to do it on the basis of love. Not out of my authority, Philemon, as an apostle, 
or as an elder, but out of the free decision of your will, Philemon. I encourage you to receive him back, receive Onesimus back. It's for the sake of your heart. You need to forgive him. Last week we talked about forgiveness. For your sake, forgiveness is not just, it's not for the other person. Forgiveness is for yourself. If you live in a place of anger and bitterness and hatred to that person, it could be your mother, your father, it could be anyone, then you are the one who is a prisoner. It's like the jail cell, right? The door is closed, but there's no lock on it. You're just staying in there and you become a prisoner for life. If you want to be free, forgive. Make sure it's voluntary. Make sure it's a choice that you're making. Receive him back out of your heart and devotion to Christ. I appeal to you on the basis of love, not out of my power and my authority, but let it be voluntary. Of course, there are times where a person has to come and have to exert authority, and you have to bring in power to you know, bring order in the house, in the church, but I'm talking about let it be voluntary from your heart to receive. And that's what Paul is saying to finally men. Let it be voluntary. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Other translation, ESV, NLT says, I delight. I take joy in doing your will. Meaning, I delight God. God, I delight in doing your work. It is voluntary because it's written in my heart. So in Christ, whatever we do, we do it because we desire and because we delight and we take delight in God's word. We do it because it is voluntary. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, Forced, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. No one who is forced is cheerful. Like your parents make you do housework and house chores. You are not cheerful. But let it be cheerful. Let it be voluntary. For God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Never forced giving. It says in Philippians chapter 2, 13 to 16, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then... I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Do everything without what? Grumbling or arguing. Never forced. Point number three. I want the best for you. If you have people in your life that wants the best for you, uh, you are very blessed and you are very lucky. Verse 10 says that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. In verse 7, Paul calls Philemon his brother. And here in verse 10, Paul calls Onesimus his son. Philemon, as his former master, had the right to kill a runaway slave. He had the right. But instead, what does Paul do? He vouches for Onesimus that he is now a fellow brother. He's not merely a possession anymore. That he has become my son. So take a look at verse 15, 16. Perhaps the reason... He was separated from you for a little while. Was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you. Both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. 
So can we turn to our neighbor and say, I want the best for you. I want the best for you. And number four, I am honest with you. I am honest with you. When I say honest, I'm talking about authentic. I am authentic with you. Nobody wants fakeness, right? We all want genuineness. We want authentic relationships. We don't want any fake relationships like social media. With everything that's going on around the world, we want genuine relationships. Meaning you are honest and authentic when dealing with other people. And Paul here, he is very honest and authentic with Philemon and with Onesimus. Verse 11 and 12. Formerly, he was useless to you. I mean, it's funny. Like, yeah, he was useless to you. Yeah, he was. He stole from you. Yes, he was useless. But now, for we are now marked by our past, even though the past creates us into who we are today. But again, if God were to judge us according to our past, no one would be allowed to be here today. If God was a fair God, no one, none of us belong to be here, for we are all sinners. But he says, formerly he was useless to you, but now, now finally me, he has become useful, both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. Heart. So honesty equals heart. If your heart is not honest, there's no way that you can be honest and you can have honest relationships with others. And as Christians, and there are a lot of strange Christians, Christians in a sense where we come to church, but we don't really carry the authentic relationship, the genuine love of Christ in our hearts. Therefore, everything we do is an act. We have to force ourselves to help someone. We have to force ourselves to go ahead and clean the chairs. Everything is forced. But Paul says, I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. I am being honest with you. Look, Philemon, as you trust me, as you know me, trust Onesimus. Trust him. For I am honest with you. For honesty comes from the heart. Heart means honesty to Philemon. Paul sends his heart, his honesty to Philemon. Paul to Philemon, I would never trick you, Philemon. He was formerly useless, but not anymore. But now he's changed. He has become useful to us, to both of us. Point number five, I share your burdens. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, give me your burdens. Let me share your burdens. Share your burdens together as a church. Verse 17 to 19, it says, So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I mean, Paul, he is amazing. Charge it to me. He's saying, put it on my tab. I got you. Welcome him as you will welcome me. Imagine if you had a friend like that. Welcome him as you will welcome me. I could vouch for this person. Whatever he has done, whatever wrong he has done, charge it to me and I will pay it back. And he says, not to mention, Philemon, you owe me your very self. What was that owe? What did Philemon owe to Paul? The fact that he met Jesus Christ through Paul. And that is the greatest gift that Philemon could have ever received. More than any material things, any money. He's saying, you owe me your very self. Because you have eternity with God in heaven. Paul is pretty much saying here, Share your burdens with each other. He's teaching the church. He's teaching us right now where we live in such a selfish generation, in a time, in a world right now where everyone is looking out for themselves. He's saying, share each other's burdens. And how many pastors, how many leaders can truly say that they share each other's burdens? I've been to church growing up where the pastor is no show. He shows up, preaches, and then goes home, no show, 
Even during the week, no idea what's happening. No relationship, no genuine relationship. Share each other's burdens by being there for one another, by truly caring for one another, wondering what's happening, praying for one another. Share each other's burdens. Christian love bears the burden of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But churches are not doing that, especially now with all virtual and corona and everything with the pandemic. Now it's become worse because now everything is internet. What happened to true, genuine relationships where you look out for each other, where you can actually take a bullet for one another? Not only when things are easy, but when things are tough. Christian love bears the burden of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, meaning no one gets left behind. There is no first, second, third, last. We all finish together. And we wait for each other. Just like when we're having a meal, we don't go ahead and start eating first. Like we wait for one another, right? There are times where Ronnie, he takes a long time. And KP takes a long time. Is KP still here? Is she in the bathroom? Oh, she is? Okay. <laughs> I think I heard a flush. <laughs> Sometimes Ronnie takes a while and we're like, ah, oh, I'm like tempted to eat. But we wait. We wait for each other. Right? It's the little things to the big things. We wait for one another. You must bear each other's burdens in the church. What happened, church? How come nobody wants to help each other anymore? Everybody is looking out for themselves. They just want to look out for their own family, and that is it. What about those family members, church members? who don't have a family, or on holidays where they're by themselves. How come we're not carrying each other's burdens anymore? In March 13, 1964, there's a lady by the name Kitty Catherine Genovese, Kitty Genovese, her full name, real name Catherine Genovese. She was stabbed to death near her apartment in New York City. She was coming in from work. I, I believe it was like 3.50 in the morning. And her attack lasted 35 to 40 minutes total. I mean, imagine the stabbing happened three different times. Each stabbing got worse. And as she was screaming for help, the neighbors, the lights turned on. It says the neighbors heard her cry for 35 to 40 minutes. Imagine you hear someone screaming for help. And it says, each, becoming, each attack becoming more serious, it says all the neighbors, all her neighbors, and this was near her apartment, so people knew her. These people who are hearing her voice, this is not random people. They knew her cry. They, they had an idea of who she was, that it was Kitty. They ignored her cry for 40 minutes, and the neighbors heard her cry, but nobody called the police to help. And in this article, it says, this appalling display of collective indifference sparked sensationalized press coverage, horrified the nation, and prompted numerous psychological studies into what would become known as Genovese syndrome, or more gen generically, the bystander effect. Witnesses interviewed subsequently gave two main excuses for doing nothing. Fear, number one, fear, and number two, not wanting to get involved. This caused the police captain to wonder why anyone would hesitate to pick up a phone and call for help from the safety of home. If someone had called after her first attack, again, she got attacked three times within the 40 minutes, she likely would have survived. Catherine Genovese, 28, 28, very young and I believe the killer was 29, was chosen random by her killer. He spotted her leaving her car at 3.50 a.m. as she returned home from her job. And I don't mean, you know, be foolish and always get involved in risky situations. I mean, there are times where I'm taking the subway. Uh, this guy was like spitting on this lady like straight off spinning, like he's 
So like, if you know the subway, by the door you're standing, the railing is there, she's sitting right at the edge. He's straight up spitting at her. Like, and the lady, she doesn't do anything. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I was younger, so I was like, what, are you? what if he had a knife? There are other times where I'm walking, and again, in the city, uh, the dry cleaner, a Korean guy owns a, a dry cleaner. I knew because of his accent and the way he was talking. He goes in, this big guy, and he goes and he says, you know, you're the problem, hiring all these, you know, Mexicans and you Chinese and saying all that. And I had my, back then I didn't have like the wireless one, you know, I just listened to my music. I'm like, I'm like, what are, you, I was like what, are you, what are you doing? And I got into like a thing with him. He's like, what? It's, I mean, you don't see that there's a problem? He goes, and I'm not saying do stuff like that. Look, I was young and I was foolish, but you need to, as a church, we must stand up for one another. We must carry each other's burdens. We must be there for each other. I'm not saying be foolish and get involved in everyone's problem because sometimes that is not wise either because you're going to be in a position where you're going to get hurt. Like you're stopping a fight and then you get accused of fighting and and then you go to jail, we don't want that. But we understand as a church, you must carry and share each other's burdens. Why? Because Christ, Jesus Christ, he bore all of our sins, the greatest burden of all. And he went on the cross. The burden of sin of all mankind, of all human beings. For you and for me. Romans 5 8 tells us, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ what? He died for us. Philippians 2 7 8. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Why would God himself come on this earth, the incarnation of Christ, to become a human being, to be born as an infant, helpless, and to live this life, and to go on the cross, and to die for us? Why? Because he bore our sins. He bore our burdens. Because he bears our burdens. Christ bore the greatest burden of all, the burden of sin. Therefore, as Christians, Christian love is not a selfish love. It's not I look out for myself and you do your thing and I... It's about being there for each other, stepping up, speaking the truth, sharing each other's burdens. Not they're your burdens, not mine. Get away from me. But your burden becomes mine also. If you're hurting, the scripture says, if any part of your body is hurting, would you not, would you not, your whole body feel that pain? Would you not cater to that part of your finger or that area where it's in pain? Would you say, oh, you're not part of my body, I mean, do you cut it off? We go ahead and we are there for that body part and for that individual. We carry each other's burdens, not they're your burdens. Get away. Carry each other's burdens, it says Galatians 6 2. And I know this by heart. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? It's love, guys. Love. It comes down to love. Carrying each other's burdens is about love, the Christian love. John 15, 12 to 13, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's about laying your life. It's about humility, laying down your interests for the sake of your brother and your sister. That's what true love looks like, Christian love. What is the greatest command? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is to love your neighbor 
as yourself. Love each other as I have loved you. Last point. Last point is as KP went to the bathroom again. <laughs> Last point. Point number six is I trust you. Can we turn to a neighbor and say, I trust you? I give my trust to you. Uh, guys, trust is given, it is not earned. I'll say that again. Trust is given, it is not earned. You give your trust in good faith, trusting that the trust that you're giving to the other person, that that individual will honor your trust. So Paul says here in verse 21, confident of your obedience, he's talking to Philemon, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. What is Paul asking Philemon to do? To receive Onesimus back, no longer as a slave or a servant, but as a brother in Christ. But he's saying, I trust you. I have confidence in your obedience that you're going to not just receive him back, but you're going to go even further and do even more for Onesimus. So letter A, trust is always a choice. Letter B, trust is always given. You know, if you, and I've been here, and trust me, I know, where you think trust is earned, that's not a good place to be. Trust is never earned. Trust is always given. Because if trust is earned, you will not, no one is perfect. Right? No one is perfect. No one can earn trust in relationship all the time. Because all of us, we all fall short time to time. And if your trust becomes shattered, then if the person hurts you and they continue to do so, then what happens? You just become jaded. Your heart becomes hardened. But if the person comes and admits they're wrong and they have a desire to reconcile and they have shown humility and they have shown their desire to change then we do what? Then we say earn it back again? No. We say I choose to give my trust to you once again. And this is a warning. I'm not saying do not live in a cycle of breaking that relationship where that person breaks your trust that they gave you and you, you gave them and they don't change and they continue to go in this cycle, this dangerous cycle. If you continue on with that, then no one else is going to trust you and give you their trust. Maybe you have been hurt in relationships, going back all the way from your father, from your mother, from your family. You have been betrayed by them. Therefore, you distrust everyone around you and you withhold trust from others. Do not live that way because you're going to become angry and bitter and you will never learn proper love you know in seminary i took this this test they make you test like take personality tests and there's this one test that i took where there was a little bit of a red flag and they just wanted to be sure and this is my uh, final year i'm graduating they just want to make sure that you know i'm not like a psycho and People are not psychos, because there are a lot of psychos in ministry. <laughs> like, people who are kind of crazy, like, they don't take the proper tests. And I believe you need to be healthy mentally, not just know the scripture with knowledge. You need to learn the proper stuff, right? Like, even the book Outlier, it's not about how smart you are, but it's also about learning the social skills, right? It's about being able to trust and people being able to trust in you. So, I took this test, and there was a little bit of reflex. And what it was, it was, about, it was about trust. And even then, I didn't trust the system. I'm like, why do I need to do this? Like, I was like, like come on. Like, Dean, like, I got to like, pay for this, and I got to do this. Like, I'm okay. I'm fine. He's saying, look, there's a problem where you're not trusting other people. You're saying that people can trust you, but you are not trusting them. And in that process, even when I was seeing the doctor, like, we're, it's funny, like, 
we're talking about like Wolverine and like he talked he mentioned like Tupac and like me against the world like because I'm a loner at heart I just like to be alone and do my own thing my friends I say things like my friends can count on me but like with people I don't know maybe they're flaky I like I had this thing where I didn't trust people I didn't give my trust to people trust what I learned from that from that from that meeting with that doctor is that trust is always given and I must choose to give and in ministry you get hurt a lot there are members who will leave members who will do things and you guys will not really fully understand yes it will hurt you when your friend something happens with that member and they relationship gets broken but for me as the pastor you know I take that very seriously and every time something like that happens imagine I say trust is earned and I meet a newcomer uh, like Leanna, like who visit us today. And I say, because I've been hurt by, I don't know, so-and-so, let's make up a name. Uh, okay, Tonya, right? I've been hurt by Tonya. Wait, isn't your name Antonio? <laughs> Antonia? So I've been hurt by Tonya, and then, and then in my heart I go, oh, because I've been hurt by this person, I'm going to rehold my trust, and I'm not going to give my trust to Leanna. Imagine how dangerous that is. You're withholding trust because you're putting that person, this person is a new relationship, but you must not live that way. Trust is never earned. It's always given. It's a choice that you give to other people. And if you live that way, you will live healthier. You'll be much happier. Don't live as a person who is always bitter, who is always skeptical, not trusting others, not giving your trust to others because you've been hurt in the past. Every relationship must be a fresh and new relationship. If you want a successful life, you want to have successful relationships in your life, you must learn to give your trust again. But again, it doesn't mean be foolish and give it to someone who's going to continue to break that trust. But you must choose to give your trust wisely. And last up point, letter C. Respect is always earned, not Deserve. So what I'm trying to say is, trust is given, respect is earned, not deserved. We can't go up to someone and say, respect me because of my title. Respect me, Arlene, because I'm a pastor. Respect me. Respect me because I'm the president. Respect me because I'm your manager. Respect comes with time, showing your consistency, your character, who you are. There are many titles, but not all are respected. Because at the end of the day, titles are titles. I'm sure you've had bosses you've hated. You didn't get along with them. But you respect leadership, people from people who show consistency and care. If you care, they will listen and they will follow you. Because respect comes with who you are and what you do over time. Philemon Onesimus, even though their relationship was broken, Philemon respected Paul, and Paul respected Philemon. Paul respected Onesimus, Onesimus respected Paul. And Paul was there on behalf of Onesimus, that listen, Onesimus is not the same person anymore. You can trust him. He has been changed, and he has been transformed. So what is this whole message about today? It's about the transformation and love of Christ. All of us, we all fall short. We all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. We all hurt each other. But at the end of the day, it's about reconciliation. It's about forgiveness, and it's about love, and it's about unity. It's about bringing the body together. It's about, what is it? I thank you. It's about realizing that love is not forced. It's about saying, I want the best for you. It's about, I am honest with you. It's about being, having authentic relationship. It's about sharing your burdens to one another. I share your burdens. Whatever you're going through, it, I am also going through it with you because I am here for you. I trust you. 
I gave my trust. Trust is a choice. Trust is given. Respect is earned, not deserved. It comes with time. And it comes with consistency. So Paul has earned the respect from Philemon and Onesimus. Paul gave his trust and earned the respect of his peers. So let us learn from this small book, this little beautiful book of Philemon, this personal letter that Paul wrote to Philemon, that at the end of the day, it's about love, trust, and respect, and forgiveness. Amen? So with that, as we're closing today, let's shift a little bit and... We've been kind of personal with what we've been doing. You know, we, we looked at each other. We shared the points to each other. We said, you know, I thank you. I trust you. You know, it's never forced. I want the best for you. You know, we talked about it from a relationship perspective. But let me say this, and this is the most important thing. If your relationship with God is broken, don't expect to have good relationship, a healthy relationship. Uh, with your peers because everything we do it comes from the heart right and if your heart is broken if your heart is in a wrong place you just spew out garbage right if we're filled with the world we're filled with not the things of god not the things of christ not the things of holiness then we spew out anger uh, we gossip we divide the church we divide the group because we are all sinful beings to begin with and we need to be held accountable and the only way that we can be held truly accountable and to be truly transformed is from the heart it's like I have this cut on my finger and I always put band-aid, band-aid, band-aid over it but I'm not treating the root of the problem something's happening within my body maybe it has to do with my diet maybe it's something, it's my sleeping pattern but if I don't fix my pattern, if I don't fix my heart, then you're going to always have those same symptoms. And it's not about fixing behaviors. Anyone can change behavior. You could tell a child, change your behavior. But they won't understand. They just follow blindly. And it's all for nothing. But if you can get to the heart of the person to know why they do what they do, if you could transform the heart, if God can transform our hearts, then everything we do will be an overflow. It's a, natural, it's a natural overflow from what we do, from what is within. So as we were there, as we've been intimate and sharing with each other, let's shift our perspective and go from bird's eye view and how God sees you, how God sees us right now, how God sees our hearts. God, He gives His trust to you every single day every single day as his faithful stewards he's trusting you will you be faithful will you be trustworthy will you be faithful will you be trustworthy what will your answer be I pray that your answer will be yes Lord I will be faithful and I will be trustworthy. Lord, transform me from my heart. Change me, for I cannot change myself. Only the Holy Spirit can come and change me from within. Now, with our eyes closed, many of you, you've been in this new year, especially after finishing 2020, with the new year resolution, you've been trying to change certain things about yourself through discipline, through work. You wanted to change something about yourself and you try and try so hard, very hard, every single day, waking up early in the morning or exercising, reading the scripture. Maybe you're, you want to be less angry. And we try and try and try and we fail every single day. But the truth and the reality is, yes, you will fail. Because we're all human beings and we all fall short time to time. The only thing that could truly transform you and change you 
It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the touch of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every individual that met the Christ in the scripture, their lives were forever changed. Some for the better, some for the worse. Where will you stand? Will you be, will you be part of the crowd and the Pharisee? Pointing, criticizing Christ. Or will you be the one who are healed from their sins and their disease? Blind being able to see. Demon possessed being free. The sick becomes healed. Will you stand on your knee? Will you stand in that side on your knees? The one who met the Messiah and were changed forever and have the eternity relationship to have access to heaven with Christ. Where will you stand today? Will you be faithful? Will you be trustworthy? May your answer today be yes, Lord. I will be faithful and I will be trustworthy and I will trust in you and I give my life to you. At this moment, can we just place our right hand to our heart, the left side of our chest, your heart representing your life, your past, your present, and your future. And may you give your heart to God today and ask God, God, I cannot change myself. I tried and I can't. Lord, it's not about the symptom, Lord. It's not about the outward behavior. It's not about being changed from outside and inside. But it's about being changed from the inside out. God, change me. Change me. Change me. Transform me today. Touch my heart, oh God, and I will never be the same. Touch me, Lord, and I will be transformed more and more in your image. Lord, I desire to be more like you. For God, you went and you bore our sins. And you took it all on the cross. And as, as this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday leading up to Lent, the season of Lent, where we celebrate Easter, where we remember your death and your resurrection, the persecution and the suffering and the passion that you went through for us, for me. As I reflect upon your goodness, God, I give my life to you. Transform me so that I may be more and more like you every single day that I love you more today than I did yesterday that I hate sin more today than I did than I love sin yesterday Lord change me transform me to be more like you can we give our hearts to Christ can we just pray in the whispers of our hearts ask God to heal you and to transform you maybe you're in a place where you do not give trust you don't trust others because you've been hurt in the past. You've been hurt by your family growing up. Your relationship with your parents are broken. And you withhold trust. That is not the way to live. May you be free today from the chains and the bondage of Satan and the power of this world. May you be free from the desires of this world. But may you be free and set free from your anger they be set free in Christ today. Can we just pray in the whispers of our hearts this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we need you. May the Father transform us, change us to be more like you, God. Lord, I need you today, God, more, more today than yesterday. Oh Lord. Lord, bring healing. Bring healing to the broken hearts. Lord, draw close to the brokenhearted. For God, you draw close to those who are broken and humble today. For those who are humiliated, Lord, you do not go farther away from them, but Lord, you draw closer. God, for God, you give grace to the humble and you oppose the proud. Lord, let us not grow proud in our hearts, but may we draw closer to you. Oh, God, let us be humble and broken today. Heal us all as a church. 
heal us, oh God. Bring unity once again. Oh, let us not be divided. Let us thank one another. Let us love one another. Let us trust one another. God, let us share each other's burdens. Let us continue to be there for one another. As you were there for us. And you went all the way to the cross. Even death itself. Father, we need you today. Thank you for teaching us through the lesson of the book of Philemon. Of your goodness and your faithfulness, oh God. How faithful and how amazing you are, oh God. There's none that can compare to you. We need you right now. Touch us, oh God. Touch us from within. Just one touch from you, God. Just like the woman who bled. God, just one touch from you. You'll be instantly healed, oh God. Change us, oh God. Transform us, oh God. We need you right now. Thank you for the change you brought upon my life. Over all these years, oh God, you've been faithful to me. Transform me. Sanctify me each and every single day. As we have our eyes bowed, I want to invite the praise team to please come up. Let's continue on with our worship. Let's continue on with our worship and our prayer before God. I want to invite you, if you need to pray, pray. If you want to stand to your feet and sing and join and worship, I invite you to do so, but be free. But may your expression, may your heart, the overflow of when you lift your hands, let it be an overflow from the relationship and the love that is found in Christ. May we worship Him and be transformed in Him because it is only through Him and in Him that can we truly worship, that can we truly worship genuinely in spirit and in truth. Can we truly be transformed in our heart from within? It is only in Him, in Christ, where we can only have access to heaven. It is only Christ and in Christ and through Christ. Let's sing. Hosanna.
given me therefore today I will rejoice with thanksgiving let all the people come and see and praise and worship the name of God there's nothing that can separate his great love hath has rested on me come praise him praise him he gave you eternal life the greatest gift of all Heavenly Father thank you for knowing you and to be known by you that is the greatest gift a priceless gift that nothing in this world can compare Lord you can take it all like Job you can take it all but Lord if I don't have you I have nothing thank you for the relationship and the love that is found in Christ thank you for the hope that I have in Christ thank you for the eternity in heaven that is found in Christ that even in this world it might be filled with pain and hardship and sickness and even death God we will be resurrected and we will find our home in Christ even though this flesh may fail we may die on this earth nor we have hope in Christ that is found in him thank you for the greatest gift of all your son sending your son your one and only son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us and as you get ready this week for Ash Wednesday leading to Lent to Easter to Good Friday to Easter Lord we reflect we remember your faithfulness and your love and your goodness to us Christian love Christian love what does that mean? it can only come from you that is found in Christ from the overflow of the love that you have given me, Jesus. And therefore, out of the overflow of that love, I will give unto my neighbors and my brothers and my sisters in this place. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. amen. And amen. amen.